Welcome to the weekly podcast of Valley Church. I pray that this message will fill you with the hope of the gospel and will help you follow Jesus today. If you would like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, visit valleychurchwv.com. Now let's tune in to this week's message. Well, it's good to be with everybody today and uh, good to have you in church at Valley Church. Can I just also myself just express a welcome to those of you who are near, uh, new, new to our church this morning. Um, we just want to welcome you here. We're in a series um, that we've entitled Speak Jesus, as you can see, and um, we're going to be going to Acts chapter 5 today. So let me just explain what a series is a little bit before we begin. Basically, we take um, six or seven or eight or ten weeks and we'll focus on a subject or a book of the Bible. And so throughout the series, we've been uh, focusing on the book of Acts and talking about the church, the story of the church, how it began, and, um, and just, just what God did to, to uh, just create his church. And so uh, as, we, as we go to that, I just encourage you to open up your Bible to Acts chapter 4. We're going to start there this morning just by way of review, and then we're going to jump into Acts chapter 5 today in a message that uh, I've entitled, Be Bold, Be Bold. And you probably remember two weeks ago, we had a pretty full Sunday, didn't we? We had, what did we have going on? We had um, communion, and we had baptisms, and uh, we, we were able to, uh, to just uh, do that together as a church. And, and because of that, I actually cut my message short that week so that we weren't here till one o'clock, okay? And I'm sure you appreciated that. But at the same time, we didn't get through Acts chapter 4. And um, I want to thank Brian, first of all, before we go to the text. Brian, thank you. I... Uh, I just so appreciate those that uh, have the gift of teaching and a pastoral heart. Um, there's a number of men and even some women in our church that just have that gift and that are passionate about it. And so um, I just, uh, I'm grateful for Brian for preaching the word last week. That was awesome. Um, we, uh, he reviewed some of chapter four, and then we're going to get into chapter five today um, as, we, as we go into God's word. So just by way of view. Um, turn with me to Acts chapter 4, verse 12, okay? And I'm just going to summarize what's happened, all right? So the church has launched. The Spirit has descended. He's empowered, he's empowered the, the, the apostles with, with gifts, with sign gifts of tongues, even with miracles, healing, healing power. And, um, and we see in chapter 4 that Peter and John, they're on their way to the temple, when this lame man who's sitting by the side of the road is, is asking for alms and they're like, man, we don't have any money, but what we do have, we want to give to you. They say, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And this man leaps up, his, his ankles and feet become strong. He is leaping, rejoicing, he's praising God. And what happens is that this miracle makes way for a message. That, that's what happens. And Peter and John, they preach Jesus. The church is already at 3,000 people. And that day, Peter and John see 2,000 more people come to faith in Jesus, believing in the resurrection of Christ and the lordship of Jesus, that he was the promised Messiah sent from God. That's what happened in, in Acts chapter 4. But you may think, oh, that's awesome. But something actually pretty sad also happened. 
See, Peter and John, as they were preaching Jesus there in the temple courts, the, the Sadducees come and they arrest Peter and John. See, what we talked about a couple weeks ago was winning doesn't always look like winning, and, and God often uses negative experiences, times of weakness, times of insecurity, time, times that are, that, are, that are hard and painful um, to develop within us a bold faith, okay? And that's what we were talking about last week. We were talking about how, how just think about that difficulty you're going through right now. Think about the, the hard time that you've been through. You may not see it right now, but you may be, you look back on your life and you're like, yeah, God was using that to develop me, shape me, mold me into the follower of Jesus I am today. And, and that thing that you're going through right now or that thing that you are to experience, God doesn't waste anything. He works all things for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. He doesn't waste anything. And we see that what, what, what looked like a loss actually turned out as, as a win for Peter and John because God used that experience of being in prison to develop a bold faith with them. As, as I told you, look at, look at Acts chapter 4, verse 12. In the morning, Peter and John, not knowing what was going to happen, are brought before uh, the, the, the Sanhedrin. And uh, they're questioned. They wanted to know, by what power and by what name are you doing these things? How in the world did this man go from a lame beggar to jumping around and praising God? What is going on with this message that you're saying? By, by what power, by what name did you do these things? That's what they're wondering. And Peter and John, they respond. It's in verse 12. There is salvation in no one else. There's salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. They boldly preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, verse 13 goes on. It says that when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and they perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Now, we, we Brian covered this a little bit, but just, just by way of, of review, so you can remember uh, something about Peter and John, is that they did not go to rabbinical school. They were not educated in the way that most of the other religious leaders were, but yet the religious leaders, they looked at them and they're like, man, you have this insight, you have this knowledge, you have this understanding that, that we quite frankly don't. They, they recognized their boldness, their audacity to preach Jesus as the Messiah, which they disagreed with. But at the same time, they recognized, man, this boldness came from someone. They recognized that they had been with Jesus. They had been with Jesus. Their time with Jesus, their experience of watching, watching him live his whole life, watching, watching him, him you know, teach to the crowds, teach in private, do miracles, combat the religious leaders and call them out on their hypocrisy. Uh, the experience of Jesus being arrested and tortured and, and crucified and dying and rising back from the dead, they recognized these people had been with Jesus. It was undeniable. And so even though they, they disagreed with the message of Peter and John, they could not deny that they were dedicated and that they were bold in it. And so, so, so what, what, what they did was, because they couldn't deny it, verse 19, 
So verse 18, verse 18, it says this, they called them, it says, and they charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Okay, but verse 19, but Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. They were like, man, we're eyewitnesses of these things. We're just telling people what we've observed, what we've seen, what we've experienced. This is not something that we just heard about or somebody told us. No, we saw this. We're eyewitnesses of it. And so whether or not it's right for you, to, to, that, that we listen to you or that we listen to God, you be the judge, but we're going to listen to God. We're going to listen to God. We cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. In verse 23, it says, When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. You know, in, in, instead of Peter and John going back to their, their friends and saying, Hey guys, we just got arrested. This is getting serious. We spent a night in jail. You guys don't want to have that same experience. Believe me, okay? It was cold. It was dark. Bad food, okay? You don't want to do that, okay? We, I mean, we didn't know if they were going to kill us. I mean, seriously, this was the same group of people that had killed Jesus. They were like, we, don't, we didn't know what was going to happen. But instead of them, them going back and, hey, guys, let's listen to them. Let's not talk about the J name, okay? And let's not use the R word anymore, okay? You know what I'm talking about? Okay, Jesus, resurrection. No, we're not talking about that. Okay, let's stop talking about it. Let's tone it down. Let's only talk amongst ourselves about it. No, they said. They, they, it says that they, 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 went back, they went back rejoicing. They told them everything that the chief priests and elders had said. So basically, they were like, man, we got arrested last night. That was awesome. We spent the night in jail. We didn't know what was going to happen. And then in the morning, guess what? They brought us out and they asked us to tell them about Jesus. <laughs> and we got to tell the religious leaders in the land, the most powerful leaders in Jerusalem about Jesus that he's the Messiah. He's the only way for salvation. He's the Son of God. He died and he resurrected from the dead, which they already knew, but they're denying. Okay, we, we got an opportunity. You know how Jesus said, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem? Yeah, we just got, we just did that. And they were like, man, let's, let's be more bold. Let's be more bold about it. And so it says in verse, verse 20, 29 that uh, it actually records the first prayer of the church. It says, and now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. And when they had prayed, in verse 31, they, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. God answered their prayer. They went back to doing what they were called to do. They didn't let that imprisonment or those threats discourage them. No, God gave them boldness. Now, just, just by way of helping us out understand this message, what does the word boldness mean when they, when they were praying for boldness? What does bold mean in, in, in Greek? It actually, I looked it up. It's the, it's the Greek word periseo, which it means to tell it all. Tell it all. 
And so when they are praying and asking God, God, would you give us boldness? What they, were, what they were asking God is they were asking God saying, God, would you help us to say it all? Not just to say what's comfortable, but to tell the whole truth about who Jesus is. Not, not, to, not to fear, um, you know, offending someone. Not to fear being hurt or ostracized or losing our, our positions or, or losing our, our reputation. No, help us to tell it all because, God, we believe you're the way, the truth, and the life. He's the only way to God. We believe in what Jesus, you said. And so, so that's what they were praying for. And, and can I tell you, church, um, we're talking about this today because... We also need to be bold. We need to have a bold faith. We need to tell it all. You know, often there's, there's definitely a, a trend within Christians just to, you know, don't offend anybody, don't hurt anybody's feelings. All paths lead to God, which is totally false. It's completely false. It's a lie. And many people are going to hell because of that, because we are afraid to tell it all. There's a reason why, why we, we post the words of Jesus on, on our wall out the sanctuary doors, that Jesus is, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Jesus is exclusive. Okay, you have to trust in Jesus. You have to believe in him as the Messiah, the Son of God, that only through him is there salvation. And that was the message of, of the apostles was the message of Jesus. That's what they were preaching. They're saying, God, help us to be bold in this, in this city where, man, we're going to be imprisoned. We're going to be tortured. We're going to be persecuted. We're going to lose our jobs. Help us to be bold in spite of that. And t- today, what, what's really convicting to me is that we don't face those kind of threats, do we? You know, we, we live in the safest country in some of the safest towns, some of the safest communities of the entire world. And while, while a lot of the rest of the world endures a lot of physical threats and persecution and harm, we could talk about all those stories. For the most part, we don't. In the future, it may come. But right now, we don't have to fear that. You know, the, the things that we actually fear are, you know, we, we fear losing a friend. We fear offending someone. We fear someone making a negative comment on social media. Uh, we fear, you know, our coworkers thinking we're weird or a Jesus freak or whatever, whatever it is. And, and, and we've allowed that to hinder us from being bold, from telling it all. And so we have coworkers and we have families and we have friends and, and grandkids and I mean, you, you name it, those, those people that you love and care for, that you've held yourself back from telling it all, all because you didn't want to be criticized, all because you feared that your feelings would get hurt or you might hurt their feelings. When the reality is, is that we have all these people going to hell all because we're afraid to just tell it all, to speak it like it is, to preach the word of God like we've been told to. Jesus is the way. He's the truth. He's the life. So when these apostles are saying, God, help us to be bold, we need that same boldness. So at the end of today, we're going to pray for that. We're going to pray for boldness as a church because our valley needs the gospel. It needs Jesus. And uh, we're going to learn today what that looks like in chapter 5. Okay? So as we go to chapter 5, let's keep on reading. 
Brian gave us a wonderful message last week just about the early church and, and them, them as a community, you know, sharing all their resources and, and, and coming together and, and what that looked like. And then we had the story of Ananias and Sapphira and, and God's judgment there. But as, as we get to chapter 17, what, what we know is that uh, the ministry continues on. There's been some miraculous signs that have happened it's so much so that, that uh, when, when Peter is walking through crowds of people, there, there's masses of people just coming to Jerusalem, bringing their sick to be healed, ho- even hoping that the shadow of Peter will be cast upon them and that they'll be healed, okay? It doesn't even say that the shadow of Peter healed people. It's kind of weird, but like that, that's really what the text is talking about. There's all these people that are just super excited. They're preaching Jesus. They're continuing to be bold, even in the threat of persecution. And it says in 17 that something happened. It said that the high priest rose up and all who were with them, and that is the party of the Sadducees. And filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in public prison. So just so you know what's going on. The, the, the high priest and all these Sadducees, these are the religious leaders of their day, they're mad. Um, for the longest time, they had had a, you know, had the monopoly on, on spirituality, basically. Everyone came into the, the temple and, you know, went to, went, went to their place to worship God. And they, they would preach through Isaiah and Hosea and Malachi and the whole Old Testament. They would preach the law. They'd preach those things. And, and suddenly, in just this last week, nobody's coming to synagogue anymore. I mean, think about it. Where, where seats used to be full, okay, they were now empty. And they're like all upset. They're like, you know, people used to come to us for, for you know, to get filled up each week. And, and now they're not here. They're going, they're going over that Peter guy. You know, that, that John guy. Wow, who are these guys? They're, they're mad. And I'm sure, I'm sure that they probably had some conversations with some of their parishioners or whatever they called them back then. Like, hey, why, why aren't you coming to synagogue? And I'm sure the response was probably like, well, Peter healed my grandma. And so, like, he's not much of a speaker, but I'm, I'm going to go over there for a little while, okay? I, I made that part up, but like, seriously, that's probably what was, what was happening. They were like church hopping, okay? And this made, it says in the text, it made the religious leaders jealous. So jealous that they were like, we need to put an end to this Jesus movement. We need to stop it fully, okay? Um, we, this, this is getting serious, okay? So it says in verse 19, well, first of all, they arrested the apostles. They put them all in prison, okay? They didn't just arrest Peter and John again. They arrested, you know, the, the core, the core 12, okay? They put them in prison, it says. In verse 19, something amazing happened. During the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out. This is a jailbreak, okay? And, uh, and it, he, said, he said, this angel says, Go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. So in other words, go and speak Jesus. Go and declare the gospel. He's saying, go be bold. Go tell all. Verse 21. And when they heard this, they entered the temple 
at daybreak and, con- and began to teach. And when the high priest came and those who were with him, they called together the council, um, called, called the council, all the senate of the people of Israel, and, and sent to the prison to have them brought. Now this is interesting because they don't even realize that there's been a jailbreak yet, and it's already morning. They're already preaching Jesus in, in the temple, but yet they're still looking for them in prison. Well, verse 22, when the officers came, they did not find them in prison, so they returned and reported, well, we found the prison securely locked, and the guards standing at the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now, I guarantee you, somebody's head is going to roll for this one. Seriously. I mean, what happened here? 24. Now, when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them, wondering what this would come to. And someone came and told them, Hey, look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple. They're teaching the people. Then the captain with the officers went and brought them, not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. You realize what just happened? These 12 apostles are, are there in the temple courts. They're preaching Jesus. And these Sadducees, these, you know, this, this court, saying, hey, like, um, guys, could you come with us? Because if we take you by force... They're going to kill us. They're going to stone us. Could you just like, could you just quietly just make your way over there? Because we have to have a trial right now. Realize? Realize what kind of predicament these people are in? Well, somehow, I mean, obviously they concede and they're like, okay, yeah, fine, we'll come over. That was also bold. Okay? They could have been like, screw you. (laughs) You know, we escaped. Arrest us now, you know? It's like, yeah, no, they, they knew that they had the upper hand, but they went to this trial, okay? And it says that um, in verse 20, 27, when they had brought them, they set them before the council. And the high priest questioned them saying, we strictly charged you not to teach in this name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Notice two things. They were even afraid to say the name. Jesus. There is power in that name. There is power in that name. You know, we we sang that song, I speak the name of Jesus over you, right? In the name of Jesus, God's power comes. You can study study scripture in that. The name of Jesus is is powerful. And, And then the second thing is this. They're upset about something. They're saying, you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching. You intend to bring this man's blood upon us. They were like, we don't like the way that you're telling this whole story. This whole story makes it look like we're the bad ones. That we're the ones that, you know, killed Jesus. And, you know, that makes us feel bad. And I'm sure Peter's just standing there thinking, it's because you are. (laughs) Like, you're the ones that are guilty for it. I mean, this is not just, I mean, this is two months after this has happened. Everybody knows what's happened. Yet they're in denial. Peter's like, like, you had him arrested. You had him tried. You had him whipped and, and, and beaten. You had him nailed to the cross and crucified. You killed him. 
This is on you. And he, go, he goes on. But Peter answered the apostle. And Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed. I'm sorry, but I said it again. By hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. In other words, we didn't just hear about it. We didn't, somebody didn't just tell us about it. Um, we are eyewitnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. And when they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. Now, this should not surprise us because if they killed Jesus, what's killing 12, 12 of his followers? They thought, man, we could stamp out this movement. We could, we could stamp this out once and for all if we just kill these, these 12 men. They're enraged. They wanted to kill them. But then God used one of their own to speak something into this. Verse 34, but a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law held in honor by all the people, stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a while. So he's like, hey guys, um, let's talk. Let's not rush into this. Okay, let's put them outside. Let's, let's actually talk together before we make this decision. And, 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 and here, here's the thing, that's, that's, uh, that's what they did. They said, okay, that sounds like a good idea. Gamaliel goes on. He said to them, verse 35, men of Israel, take care what you're about to do with these men. So in other words, don't just rush into it. For before these days, I'm going to give you a little history lesson. Thaddeus, Thutis rose up, claiming to be somebody, somebody special. And a number of men, about 400, joined him. He was killed. And all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. You guys remember Thutis? And they remembered back and they were like, yeah, I, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, he like, he like gathered 400 people together and, and were, you know, he was trying to say that like he was teaching something new and, and uh, he brought all these people with him, but, but uh, you know, they, they seemed like a threat to us, but we didn't get involved. And what happened is as it grew, Rome was like, mm-mm, you're not causing chaos in my city. And Rome came in and, and they put it to an end. They stomped it out. They killed him. And, and all who followed him, they just, they just all dispersed. That's what happened. He's got a second history lesson. Gamaliel also said in verse 30, 20, 37, After him, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and drew, drew away some of the people after him. He too perished and all who followed him were scattered. Uh, Judas, we know there's there's actually some historical record on this Judas. Um, he uh, he was he was a zealot. That's that's what we know of him. Um, he was basically against the government, against taxation, and and, uh, and so obviously what happened here is that he rose up in the days of the census. He was trying to like tell people, hey, don't pay your taxes, and and Rome was like, nah, that can't happen either, and they put it to an end. The history lesson is here, and, and here's, here's Gamaliel's point, verse 38. So in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men 
and let them alone. For if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. In other words, remember how we didn't get involved? Because if we had been involved, they would have stamped us out too. I recommend that. You know, it was kind of a conundrum because there's people leaving, you know, leaving us because they were like going after something new. And if we had gone along with it, you know, maybe we would have kept some people. But because we stayed out, we weren't completely done away with. And so, so I'd recommend that we do the same thing. We learn from our past. If this, if this plan is an undertaking of man, it will fail. Verse 39. But if, if it is of God... You will not be able to overthrow them, but might even be found opposing God. So they took his advice. They thought it was good advice. And man, as we look back on history, which we can like Gamaliel did, where is Rome today? Where is Rome? It's history, isn't it? The mighty Roman Empire that, that only the power of God could overthrow. That's basically what Gamaliel was saying. Only the power of God could overthrow Rome. Guess what happened? History tells us that Rome is now history. But Jesus Christ still reigns. Amen. That's Jesus. Okay? If this, this plan is of God, you, will, you won't be able to throw, overthrow it. But you'll be found fighting against God. And says in verse 40, and when they had called the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Can I tell you what the word beaten means? It actually means, um, uh, I don't have the word specifically in front of me. Basically, it's like the word stripped, stripped of their skin. And so this is more than just like ah, a few punches in the face or, you know, kicked around a little bit. No, this would have been similar to what Jesus would have endured, that they would have taken a whip with shards of bone and metal and glass, and they would have taken it and they would have beat it over these apostles over and over and over again. I think it was about 30 times that brought them to probably the edge of their life. That was what it was meant to do. It was a serious punishment that was meant to teach them, you don't ever talk about the name of Jesus again. You don't do that. And can you just imagine these 12 apostles? This would have taken some time, them watching this all go down. Do you think that some of them may have had second thoughts? What we see is in the next verse, they left, and they didn't just leave with their tails behind their legs. No, it says that after they were beat, they were let go in verse 41, they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. You know what they thought? We're going to be even more bold. It was an honor for me to identify with Christ in that way. Because every time they took off their shirts, what did they see? People saw their scars. And it opened up the story. What happened? What happened to you? Well, I was just identified with Jesus. He was whipped. He was beaten. And I identified with him in that way. 
But I didn't give my life yet for him. No, he gave his life for me. What, what is it for me to be whipped for him? He gave his life for me. What is it to face public criticism for him? He was crucified. He died for me. What is it to lose my job and my position for him? He died for me. What is it to face all kinds of horrendous things because of the name, the name of Jesus? And that's what they decided. They left even more bold, rejoicing. They were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And what happened, verse 42, the last verse. Every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that Christ is Jesus. They left even more bold. They didn't let it hinder their witness of him. You know, as, as we read this, like, like I began, I, I, I'd say this is really convicting for me and, and for us. Because I think you and I would recognize that if this would happen right here, I don't know if we would have a lot of people in church the next Sunday. Let's just be honest about that. How in the world did the church grow through this, through persecution? How did these, these apostles leave even more emboldened after coming within an inch of their life? How in the world? Because, because the reality is, you know, we're pretty lame, aren't we? You know, when, when, when we're afraid, we're afraid of, you know, somebody's little post on Facebook. We're afraid of somebody, you know, talking negatively about us or, or looking like a weirdo or, you know, being known for being a Christian. But the reality is they face something so much more severe and that's convicting to me. How can we be bold? How can we change? That's the question I want to ask us as, as we end. Last week, um, Brian uh, gave, gave out these bracelets, okay? And I don't, I don't know if we have very many of them left. I think we got rid of all of them. But uh, what, what does it say on it? Those of you that have it, just ra raise it up. What does it say? Be bold, okay? Okay? And so, like, we could end here with this bow cry, look, let's be bold, man, like, okay? And, and, and women, okay? <laughs> let's leave here. Let's be bold, Okay? And, and I would love to end that way. That'd be awesome. Let's go out here like, yeah, let's be macho and let's be bold and let's speak Jesus like these apostles did. But here's the reality. Boldness doesn't come from just like, just put, turning it on. You don't just turn on boldness. Like I'm going to go back to my school. I'm going to preach Jesus. I'm going to be, you know, all confident and stuff. It's, it's not the same thing. Boldness is, is not that. That's not what boldness is. Boldness actually comes... Turn that bracelet around. Comes from what? Somebody say it. Be with Jesus. Yeah. Remember back in chapter 4? What did they say about these apostles? They recognized the boldness of Peter and John and recognized that they had been with Jesus. So Valley Church, we could go out there and be like, yeah, let's be bold, and, and we'd fall flat on our face. Okay? You get burned out. That's what was going to happen. You're going you're to face opposition and, and get really discouraged. But here's the thing. How can you be bold? You need to first be with Jesus. Number one, you need to have a relationship with him where you believe 
with all your heart that He is the way, the truth, and the life. You repent of your sins and you trust in Him. Saying, man, I, I'm forsaking all other things. I, I'm following Him. I, I believe that, that, you know, life is short, eternity is long, and He is the only way to a relationship with God because of what He did on the cross. That He endured the, the shame and, and suffering on the cross. He took my sin upon Him. He took your sin upon Himself. He went to that cross. He suffered and He died, but He didn't just stay dead. He defeated, his, he, he, he defeated death. He rose again from the dead. He has power over the grave. And that's the question that we're all wondering and that we're all scared about is we know everybody is going to die. What do we do about it? The only answer is Jesus. The only way that we can have any kind of speck of hope in the face of death is Jesus. And so we trust that he is the only way to God. We trust that he is the way, the truth, and the life. But then what, what he invites you into then is beyond that. Part, part of just, just assurance is a relationship. He wants you to be with him. He wants you to know him. He wants you to not just, just be saved, but he wants you to be his child. For you to be his son or his daughter and that's what he invites you into, a relationship with him. And if you don't have that, that's what I want to invite you into right now, is if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, it says that in Scripture that, that uh, anyone who confesses the name of Jesus, if you confess your sins, it says, he's faithful and just to forgive your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. He'll make you a part of his family. He'll make you his child if you simply repent. You turn from your sin and you turn to Jesus. And once you're a follower of Jesus, what it means is that, it's seriously what, what the word means, is you follow him. You follow after him. You obey him. That's the mark of what a follower of Jesus is. Obedience. Obedience. And it comes through studying God's word comes through, through being in a relationship with him where you say, I'm going to follow you, I'm going to be with you, and I'm going to obey you. And so each day you're reading the Bible. You're praying, God, what do you want me to do about this? And you're following after him in obedience. That's being with Jesus. And, and, and there's, there's something that happens when you get saved. Just as God gave the Spirit to the apostles, what does he do? He gives you his Spirit who empowers you to be able to be bold to tell it all, to follow Jesus as these early, early disciples did. And so what I want you to do is just, just pray. Just pray for that. If you're a follower of Jesus already, just pray, God, would you empower me with your spirit each day? God, would you fill me each day with your spirit that I might speak you, tell it all to those that are lost? Can I just say, um, as, as we end today, I want to just recognize um, some people in our church that are being bold um, in their faith. Uh, could I just have our 242 leaders stand up a second? 242 leaders, those of you that are here, yeah. Could you guys come up for a second? Well, what, I, what I want to do is, I, I just thought it'd be really fitting for us, just as we end, to, I want to pray a prayer of blessing over you. Um, already most of our groups, our 242 groups, have already met almost twice now. 
And um, maybe those who are part of a 242 group, just raise your hand, too. I love it. Come on! <laughs> you, that's okay. I'll come down with you. <laughs> do you need a hand, or do you want to even try? No, I'll try. Okay. Oh, well, we'll help you up. Ken's back there. Yeah, I know. We just, I happen to be the Yeah. Now, as you, as you look at this group of people, can, can I just say what a blessing it is to just see all kind of ages represented here? From, from Ken and Lynn to, you know, Doug and Virginia to, I mean, the whole, the whole crew, man, it's just awesome. Our 242 groups span all kinds of ages and stages in life from singles to older and widowed, you know, to um, married with kids. I mean, it just... It spans the whole gamut, and uh, what a blessing to see that, because what each of you guys have decided to do is you said, I'm going to be bold, and I'm going to dedicate 12 to 24 months to my group to tell all to preach Jesus, and it's, it's based off of uh, Acts 2.42, where it says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And that's, that's what they decided to do. And that's, that's what you guys have committed yourselves. You committed, we're going to be with Jesus. We're going to be with Jesus so that we can be bold. And uh, as a church, our, our vision here is to seek, serve, and send disciples of Christ. And uh, this is the embodiment of what that looks like. And you know what, what our hope is, actually, as a result of, of the work that you guys do and what happens on Sunday mornings, what happens in Valley Kids and Valley Youth? is that we'll multiply disciples of Christ, people who are bold to tell all. And that as a result, churches will be planted. Um, we'll see not just Valley Church here in Payton City, but we'll see churches in New Martinsville or in Moundsville or up in Wheeling or wherever we spread to, that the word of God would spread, that disciples would be made. And, uh, and so what I want to do as we end today is why don't we just all stand and I want to just, I want to, I said, we're going to pray for boldness as we end today, right? I want us to pray for boldness right now as a church. We're going to pray and then, then we're just going to give you an opportunity just in your pew in, in, in quietness just to pray. And God, God, ask, ask God, God, would you help me to be bold? Help me to be bold in my faith. Let me just start that. God, I just thank you for the example that you have set with your apostles and God, we just pray right now that as we close our service, having received your word, God, that you would look upon us and you would look upon the insecurities that we have. You would look upon the things that we fear, maybe some of the threats that, that we face. But God, that you would look upon us and you would give us boldness as Valley Church. God, that you would help us to tell all especially to those that need the message of the gospel the most, that maybe we fear the most to tell. God, would you just give us boldness to be able to do that as a church? And God, right now, as we have all these leaders on stage and, and so many of our congregation that are part of a 242 group, God, I want to just pray that you would make them bold in their faith that the result of these groups would be that you would just commission people to be sent into our valley, 
even into the world as missionaries, God, into their workplaces, into their schools, into their families. God, that the hope of Jesus might be known. And so, Lord, we just commission them now to do the work. God, you've called us to all be a part of your church, to be a part of your body, to go and fulfill the ministry that you've given us, God. So I thank you for each one of them. God, would you bless them and watch over them, we pray. And help us to keep on declaring your truth. God, as we keep on praying right now in silence, God, would you just just give us thoughts right now of ways that we need to be bold. God, would you just do that right now in this moment of silence that we spend. Thank you, God, for those names, for those situations, for those places that you burdened us with. God, would you send us from this place to, like the apostles, go and preach Jesus. And Lord, we love you. Glad that we can praise you, that you've already done the work through Jesus Christ us to be your witnesses, not of what we've heard, but of who we've been with. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Valley Church. If you were impacted by today's teaching or made a decision to follow Jesus, we would love to hear from you, pray for you, and walk with you. To connect with us, visit valleychurchwv.com. There you will find resources on following Jesus and information about how to partner with us here at Valley Church as we seek, serve, and send disciples of Christ.